Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Week number 11 of the NFL season is in the books. What a crazy week of games. Uh, it was. It wasn't as crazy as week ten with the six, uh, you know, uh, f- time expiring field goals uh, that changed the outcomes of the game there in the final moments uh, last week. We had a couple of those uh, this week, but an interesting slate uh, of games. The the Giants sweeping the uh, Commanders or completing the sweep. The Rams finishing the sweep. Uh, on Seattle, the Bears pissing away a 12-point lead with four minutes to go uh, in the game. Uh, you know, Dallas massacring Carolina, Jacksonville redeeming themselves against the Titans, and so on and so on. And, of course, the the big Super Bowl rematch slash possible Super Bowl preview between the Eagles and the Chiefs uh, that uh, just wrapped up a few moments ago. So, Tons to talk about. We got our all-out blitz. We got the pick six. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 11 review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase. Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. 14 games on the schedule for week number 11. We got four in the pick six. Cincinnati and Baltimore. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. So basically, all of the AFC North. Uh, Then we had the Jets and the Bills, which is AFC East territory. And then finally, that big Monday night game, Philly at Kansas City. Um, all very interesting uh, games and and all games that I was kind of waffling over all week long because when I initially made my picks like on Monday, Tuesday uh, of last week, I had both, both those AFC North games were flipped. I was taking the Bengals. I was picking the Steelers. And from the time that I made those initial picks, to the time that I sat down and did this preview show on Wednesday night, I changed my mind on both of them, and it turned out to be right. I changed my pick to the Ravens. I changed my pick to the Browns. Both of those teams ended up being uh, victorious uh, on Sunday and now share a half-game difference in the AFC North standings with Baltimore at 8-3, and three, Cleveland now uh, at 7-3. and three. Uh, The Buffalo and Jets game, I was waffling over just because I didn't know if I could trust the Bills anymore. The way that they blew that game against Denver uh, on Monday Night Football, it was more that they lost it more than than, than Denver won it uh, last week. I still ended up picking the Bills, but they were my one-point game in the pick'em standings uh, or in the, in the confidence pool 
uh, this week. I had one point on Buffalo to, to beat the Jets, and out of this four games, that was the most decisive one. I know that the Ravens kind of ran away from Cincinnati after Burrow got hurt, but you know Cleveland and and Pittsburgh literally came down to the wire, and and Buffalo ended up just absolutely swamping the Jets, thirty two to six, in that game. And then, like I said, in, in the our all out blitz games, you know I I put ten points on the Lions, and it, it would have been a happy ten points to lose. And for the first fifty five minutes of that game, I thought I was going to lose those 10 points but then the Bears showed up and I don't know who the hell was playing against the Lions for that first 55 minutes but the Matt Eberflus Luke Getze led Bears showed up for that final four minutes and 55 seconds to just piss it all away to a 12 point two score lead just watched him just ease like just the, the Lions made it look easy it was pathetic actually and I ended up getting the pick right so I got to keep the 10 points but man I'd give anything to be sitting here and be like, it cost me 10 points, but I'll take that all day long. Well, I didn't get to say that, and and it sucks. It does. So, overall, I, I did fairly well with uh, with my picks, and uh, we'll talk more about that on uh, Thursday with the uh, preview uh, episode. That will come out Thursday morning, and uh, we will be talking about three uh, Thursday games for Thanksgiving and a Black Friday game uh, as well. So if you want to get my thoughts and and, and uh, my picks on those games, be sure to download the show when it's available uh, Thursday morning because kickoff is at a, is at 12.30 Eastern with the uh, Packers and the Lions kicking things off uh, on Thursday. But the release schedule for this week stays the, uh, stays the same. Uh, lucky for me because we are celebrating Thanksgiving, but... Uh, we're not having dinner until Saturday, so I'll be free on Thursday to uh, to to do the uh, Bears uh, preview on Thursday for it to drop uh, on Friday. So release schedule stays the same, and you guys at your leisure can download the shows. They'll be available on time uh, as they would be uh, any other week. So uh, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and get this show started. And as we do in all of our preview episodes, we begin with the All Out Blitz. Week 11 all-out blitz for the review, Chicago at Detroit. I was dreadful of this game because I thought the Bears had no shot. Turns out the Bears had a shot, but I was still right to be dreadful because my Matt Eberflus-led Bears had a 98.2% win probability and a 12-point lead with four minutes to go. Four minutes later, the Bears lost by five. I still got the pick right, but it really fucking sucks. Chargers at the Packers. In an even back-and-forth game, Jordan Love hit Romeo Dobbs for a 24-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter to take the lead. Justin Herbert and the Chargers couldn't answer as they fall to 4-6 and six in their 23-20 loss to the Packers. <laughs> Vegas at Miami. Three Dolphins turnovers kept the Raiders in the game and gave them a chance to tie late. But Jalen Ramsey's interception of Raider quarterback Aiden O'Connell with 32 seconds to go sealed the win for Miami. 20 to 13. Giants at Commanders, despite being sacked nine times, Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito threw three touchdowns and had no turnovers. The Commanders turned the ball over six times, including Isaiah Simmons' pick six of Sam Howell, Howell's third pick of the game, as the Giants completed the season sweep of the Commanders 31 19 in D.C. Mm-hmm. 
Dallas at Carolina. The Panthers fought the Cowboys tooth and nail, only being down 17 to 10 going in the fourth quarter. But the Cowboys won the fourth quarter 16 to nothing, including Deron Bland's fourth pick six of the season to get Dallas the 33 to 10 win over the Panthers. Tennessee at Jacksonville. The Jags were embarrassed in their own building by the 49ers last week and needed to bounce back. The Jags were up 27 to nothing before Tennessee finally got on the board on their way to an easy 34 to 14 division win over the Titans. Arizona at Houston. C.J. Stroud suffered his first three-interception game of his career on Sunday, but it was his 336 yards and two touchdowns that really counted as he led the Texans to a 21-16 win over the Cardinals. Tampa Bay at San Francisco. The 49ers are finally fully healthy and playing like world beaters again as Brock Purdy went 21-25 of for 333 yards and three touchdowns as the Niners rolled the Buccaneers 27-14. Seattle at the Rams week one. A poor second half caused the Seahawks to lose to the Rams to start off the year. This time it was a bad fourth quarter for Seattle that hurt them. Capped off by Jason Myers missing a 55-yard field goal with two seconds left in the game to get swept by L.A. 17-16. to And finally, with a five-game win streak on the line, the Vikings held a 17-9 lead going into the fourth quarter over the Broncos, but Will Lutz, but two Will Lutz field goals and Russell Williams' fist, Russell Wilson's 15-yard touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton was enough to push the Broncos past the Vikings for their fourth win in a row, 21-20 on Sunday Night Football. Got a little tongue-tied there at the end. It's like the couldn't get the words out fast enough. It's I hate it when that when that happens. But crazy, crazy uh, finishes in the game. You know, Denver pulling that one out of their ass there uh, at the end. The, and and Seattle and the Commanders, despite on paper at least being better than their opponents, got swept by them both. I mean, <laughs> Tommy DeVito, like Tyson Bajan, undrafted. Rookie free agent, they weren't expecting to have to depend on him, let alone starting football games. And yet he threw three touchdown passes, did not turn the football over, and uh, you know beat the Commanders in D.C. to complete the uh, season sweep. I mean, if you thought Jonathan Allen was pissed off about losing fourteen to seven in New York, how about getting rolled in your own building by uh, by this backup uh, rookie uh, undrafted free agent? I mean, it's. I can only imagine him throwing things around the locker room uh, and everything else. It must have been uh, quite a sight uh, to see. So anyway, guys, there you have it with our all-out blitz. Let's go ahead and get this thing finished and talk about those two big AFC North matchups, that big AFC East matchup between the Bills and the Jets, and, of course, our Super Bowl review or Super Bowl uh, rematch slash Super Bowl preview between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Pick six for week number 11 on the week 11 review episode of the fourth phase. We start on Thursday night football, Cincinnati at Baltimore. And we all know the big headline uh, out of this one with uh, Joe Burrow in the second quarter going down with a with a wrist. I mean, like it, it was like all he could do to hold the football in his hands. And any and the second he went into his throwing motion, he can no longer hold the ball. Shooting pains, the whole nine yards. 
Turns out it was a torn wrist ligament or torn ligament in his wrist. He's done for the year. And while the Bengals were kind of struggling for relevancy, I mean, even in their own division, because there was a point like a week or two ago, if the season ended then, everybody in the AFC North makes the playoffs. And after Cincinnati losing uh, last week and everything, they had fallen out of the uh, fallen out of the playoff race. And, you know, it, it, it's and so they needed this game not only to stay relevant in their own division, but to stay relevant in the playoff picture uh, as well. So this was a big game. And they go into Baltimore. Baltimore's playing both teams coming off those surprising losses last week. You know, Cincinnati coming up short uh, against Houston. Baltimore coming up short at the last moment to Cleveland. Being victims, uh, being two victims of those six last-second field goal wins uh, last week. So both of them coming off a loss. Both of them coming off losses they weren't expecting. I think think the Ravens. Uh, thought it was going to be a repeat performance of that 28-3 to domination they had over Cleveland uh, week four. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati playing against a team that's only won one game on the road all season, and both of them coming away uh, with losses in this one, and a very untimely loss for the Bengals, who were really playing their best football uh, going into that, uh, into that Houston matchup. And maybe, just maybe, both these teams got caught with their pants down looking forward to this matchup on Thursday night because the Ravens and the uh, and the Bengals, that's big-time AFC North uh, rivalry stuff uh, right there. So so maybe that's what it was, you know, knowing that they had this short window between this game and that one. Maybe they were looking more forward to this game on Thursday than uh, they were uh, about the business at hand on, on, you know, on last Sunday. But nonetheless, not only was it not a good time for the – Bengals to go on a losing streak, having lost to Houston and then losing this past Thursday uh, to the Bengals. But losing Joe Burrow, you know, basically kind of ends their season for them. I hope that's not true, but I don't think that Ian Browning, who I didn't even know who their backup quarterback was uh, going into this thing, uh, found out the hard way on Thursday night. It's Ian Browning, uh, who's, um, I don't know if he was undrafted or if he was like a day three Pick. I heard Al Michaels mentioned he was from Eastern Kentucky. No idea. Uh, you know, I mean, I've heard of Eastern Kentucky, obviously, but I've, you know, still have no idea who he is. But apparently, he's the backup quarterback and now the starter for the Cincinnati Bengals, unless they figure out between now and next Sunday, um, you know, of finding a, a better option. Unfortunately, guys like Carson Wentz and and Joe Flacco are, are off the board. Joe Flacco just signed with the Browns uh, practice squad. And Carson Wentz signed with the Rams last week. So, you know, I don't know who else would be out there that would be available that would be, you know, would be able to step in and and be that veteran presence and help the Bengals along other than, you know, Ian Browning, our backup quarterback, who's been with us all season and knows the system. You just got to get him out there and get him some reps. So interesting future ahead uh, for the Bengals who were, were oddly in last place going into the game and might be playing like a last-place team for the rest of the season without Joe Burrow. It's, it's unfortunate, especially I really like the Bengals. I, I think they're like probably one of my favorite teams uh, in the league, just something I've, I've always been a big fan uh, of Burrow since that 2019 season uh, at LSU, been a huge fan. And to watch him come in and, and just quickly turn around 
the Bengals in year two. He goes to the Super Bowl. They should have gone last year uh, again instead of the Chiefs and uh, really thought they'd be able to do it again uh, this year. And they got off to that slow start, which is kind of like their thing now. They went on that four-game winning streak, lost that heartbreaker to Houston last week. But like I said at the beginning of the show, at the start of this week, I had um, I was picking Cincinnati to beat the Ravens. Like I thought they'd pull it off, um, but for some reason, just like you know, for some reason, I'm I'm really actually feeling the Ravens in this one. So I I changed my pick at the last minute to the Ravens, and boy, did that turn out to be some sage advice uh, to myself. I mean, I didn't bet big on any of these games in the in the pick six uh, this week. Baltimore, I had four points on them. I think I had maybe. Four, or like three or four on uh, on Cleveland. I had one on Buffalo, as I stated before, and I think I I put five on Philly. So I wasn't betting heavy on any of these games, and um, turns out that was a mistake as far as the Buffalo and Jets game uh, was concerned. But uh, the the ironic part of Joe Burrow going down is that his final throw for twenty twenty three was a touchdown that actually gave the Bengals the lead. In the second quarter, uh, it was a, a short uh, touchdown throw to Joe Mixon uh, in the flat. And you can actually see, I, I watched, I rewatched the highlights today that, um, you know, you could see as soon as he throws that ball, he doubles over. You see him bend over and you see him kind of like shaking out that hand uh, and everything. And obviously later on when the Ravens are on the field, um, I, I was watching the game. You could see him. He tries to go through the throwing motion, instantly drops the ball. You see the pain in his face. It, he was done, you know, and he was pissed about it too. And um, but unsurprisingly, it was all downhill for Cincinnati after Burrow went down, and they were already playing. They were already shorthanded on offense without T. Higgins. They didn't have Sam Hubbard on defense, so they were missing part of their uh, pass rush. And and before the quarter was over, before the second quarter was over, the Ravens had scored two more times to make it twenty-one to ten at the half, and it was just kind of like open season after that. You know, it's like Ian Browning, the backup quarterback for the Bengals, and, and presumably the starter for the rest of the uh, season, led the Bengals on a drive uh, to start the second half that resulted in a field goal uh, for uh, McPherson, their field goal kicker. Um, and 21-13 to 13 was the score, and that was as close as they got for the rest of the uh, – for the rest of the night because two Justin Tucker field goals later in the third quarter and a Gus Edwards touchdown run in the fourth gave Baltimore a 34 to 13 lead with about five minutes to go. And unfortunately for the Cincinnati Bengals, they weren't playing the Chicago bears. So they weren't able to play against someone who specializes in pissing away sure victories. That's the second time the bears have done that this year. Cause remember they were up 28 to 14 going into the fourth quarter against the Broncos. They lost that game 31 to 28. They were up 26 to 14 with four minutes and 15 seconds to go in the game. Four minutes and 15 seconds later, the Bears lost by five points, 31 to 26. Welcome to hell, you know, Jesus Christ. But since he, since he did add a garbage time uh, touchdown to complete the scoring with about a minute 12 to go uh, in the game, um, Browning hit um, – I think it was Tyler Boyd uh, for the touchdown. Made it thirty-four to twenty. Ravens take the win over the Bengals. Glad I switched my uh, pick. Wouldn't have lost many points if I had gotten it wrong, but 
I did change the pick right before I uh, recorded the episode on Wednesday night to do the uh, preview, and uh, thankfully, turned out to be a good one for me. <laughs> Baltimore at Cleveland. When the news came out about Deshaun Watson going down with that uh, shoulder injury, I don't know what it was that made me think that, uh, you know, hey, let's bet on Cleveland this week because, again, uh, going into this, going into the week, I was picking the Steelers. And initially when I heard the Deshaun Watson news, I was picking the Steelers. Like, well, I mean, of course, they'll win now. Because it's, you know, I, and initially I thought it was P.J. Walker. But not only, and what's funny was, I did change my mind when I heard that Stefanski was going with DTR instead of P.J. Walker. And not because I thought DTR was better, but the way that they explained why it was DTR was so bad against the Titans in week three or four, whenever it was they lost to uh, Tennessee. I was like, okay, so we'll take that Cleveland defense and a prepared DTR because what happened was DTR found out that he was playing three hours before the kickoff on Sunday morning. So he's like literally at the team facility grabbing breakfast and finds out, oh, yeah, you know how you've been holding a clipboard and running scout team offense this week? You're actually going to be running with the big boys against the Tennessee Titans in about, oh, three hours. So you might want to put your eggs down and go read your playbook because you're playing today. I mean, yeah, no wonder he actually looked like a fifth-round rookie quarterback as opposed to the second-best quarterback on the team like he did in the preseason. You know, it's because of how well he played in the preseason that the Browns felt comfortable in trading Josh Dobbs to the Arizona Cardinals. They're like, yeah, we got our backup quarterback. DTR's the guy, so we can afford to lose Josh Dobbs. We'll take that extra pick that uh, Arizona sends over. And, you know, here he is on less than three hours' notice playing against the Tennessee Titans when he thought he was in for another day of wearing a baseball cap and carrying the clipboard. And it, it, it makes sense that because he didn't have any preparation because second-string quarterbacks get almost none uh, of the reps uh, in practice, or not, no meaningful ones uh, anyway. But uh, he would have a full week of practice, and that was something that Stefanski said, was that I wanted him to know this week. I wanted him to have the whole week knowing he was the starter. So it wasn't going to be that he and P.J. Walker were going to fight for the role in practice throughout the week. He made a decision. I'm going with DTR. He's going to be our starter this week. Boom. That's it. He's the guy. And I'm not saying, you know, he didn't come out and exactly light up the world uh, or anything. But I got to think that it had some kind of advantage, you know, for DTR. And, 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 you know, probably a morale boost to know that he had the confidence of the coaching staff that they're making the decision now. Before we even take the practice field for the first time this week on Wednesday, I'm the starter, unquestioned. So barring any kind of disaster where he hurts himself uh, or anything like that, He's going to be taking the snaps when they play the uh, the Steelers uh, on Sunday. And for whatever reason, Stefanski's confidence in DTR and, you know, knowing the story, the full context of why things went sideways for him uh, against Tennessee, suddenly I want to take a chance on the Browns. Because as I told you guys, it's like I didn't go heavy on, on any of these games in the, uh, the pick six. I mean, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, this is the pick six. Um, I didn't go heavy on on any of these uh, on any of these games, 
Um, let me take one quick look at my picks uh, again. Yeah, four on Baltimore and Cincinnati, two on Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So two points, one on Buffalo and New York, and then five on uh, Philly and uh, and Kansas City. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, I didn't bet, bet, you know, five and two is seven plus one is eight plus four, 12 points spread throughout the four games uh, in the pick six. Uh, this week, so I I had an average score of three on each game because you know I'm silly with the math like that. But so the game comes, and because it was the offense, uh, you know, and uh, actually the other thing reason was the Steeler D, the Steeler offense has been like the big storyline for the Steelers all week long, and not for any good reason whatsoever. Matt Canada is easily the most hated man. In uh, in Pittsburgh, he of course is their offensive uh, coordinator. Kenny Pickett, thirteen touchdowns, thirteen interceptions over the first uh, you know nine weeks or the first nine games uh, of the season. It made me think that uh, because Pittsburgh wasn't going to come in and score fifty points, that you know especially against that defense, you know the anemic Pittsburgh offense, the dominant Cleveland. Defense, so long as DTR could avoid mistakes, because he threw three interceptions like in the first half uh, against Tennessee. They practically gave that football game uh, away because he wasn't prepared. And I thought, you know, giving that the the and and the the defense the difference in the first game in week two was that the offense gave up two touchdowns to the defense in that game. Cleveland lost that game like twenty six to twenty two. But 14 of those 26 came from the uh, Steelers. Uh, there was a pick six interception. Deshaun Watson threw a pick six, and it was a strip sack. T.J. Watt ran one in for a touchdown. That took the lead. They believe was still winning despite all of that until T.J. Watt uh, ran that in the scoop and score for the touchdown. So the combination of Pittsburgh's weak offense, Cleveland's powerhouse defense, worked out this week despite the fact that we were in for a uh, – ho-hum defensive battle because the Steelers are actually pretty good on defense uh, as well. And DTR did throw an interception, but it was more of a pass was deflected, flew up into the air, Steelers came down with it type thing as opposed to a bad throw like he had against the the Titans. So the only productive member of the Pittsburgh offense was running back Jalen Warren, who had uh, 129 yards on only nine carries and a touchdown which came on a 74-yard run that looked like he was shot out of a cannon when he he it happened early in the uh, early in the first in the second half. Like I said, boom, just out of the gate, like nobody ever laid a finger on him. He runs through the hole, you know, cradles the sidelines, cuts across the field. Nobody ever laid a finger on him. And um, by the way, for those of you who watch Good Morning Football, spoiler alert: uh, Jalen Warren is going to win the Angry Runs uh, Trophy this week. The scepter's going to Pittsburgh because there was a run in this game in the second half where he literally shot-putted a defensive back for the Cleveland Browns into the turf. It was reminiscent of uh, of Derrick Henry uh, shot-putting, uh, what was his name? It was the defensive back for the uh, Bills, Josh something. Um, just, just punched, just absolutely pushed him like five yards down the field. Well, Warren didn't push him five yards down the field. He pushed him five yards into the earth 
uh, when he stiff-armed him on that one play. So, spoiler alert, he's coming away with the angry run scepter. I don't, I don't care that I didn't, haven't really seen anybody else who might be worthy of it. No way anybody topped that this week. No way. No way he did. But, um, you know, his touchdown run in the third quarter made it 10-7 because Cleveland was up 10-0 at the uh, – was ten up to ten nothing at the half, and it was tied at ten with a minute eighteen to go, and DTR led the team, uh, led the Browns on a nine play, forty uh, one yard drive to set up a Dustin Hopkins field goal attempt, and Hopkins nailed the game winning kick from thirty four yards out to give the Browns a thirteen to ten win, and you can tell this has kind of been a, a whirlwind experience for DTR because it showed him on the sidelines after this. The ball went through the uprights. There was still two seconds left uh, in the game. You see him on the on the on the sidelines, and he was emotional. I don't know if he was crying, but you could definitely see the relief, and you could also see kind of like the toll that this has taken on me. He knew that this was a very very important game uh, for his team. They wanted to keep pace uh, with the uh, with the Ravens. They wanted to keep pace in the in the playoff race. And they needed this win uh, over the Steelers. And, you know, that gives them three wins uh, in a row. They beat the Cardinals three weeks ago. They just got – they outlasted the Ravens, you know, and then they, they won a defensive struggle uh, against the Steelers. They're at the Denver, which, uh, you know, a few weeks when – when this winning streak started, didn't look like that imposing of a game. But the Broncos have won four in a row, and it looks like Sean Payton's finally got that team playing football uh, out that now, so there. That's not the gimme that it used to be, and uh, the Rams have been playing some uh, some tough football uh, lately, beating the uh, Seahawks, completing the sweep there uh, yesterday. So, granted, they're only four and six, but in the NFC, that doesn't put them too far out of the uh, the playoff race uh, right now. So, while this lo- these look like games that Cleveland should win, they're also games that, especially against the Broncos. You can't do anything that's going to give the game uh, away. At, at the very least, DTR needs to be a solid game manager. Don't turn the football over. Rely on Kareem Hunt and the running game. Let the defense give you every opportunity that they can and see how far uh, that gets you because they got, they're at the Broncos, at the Rams, home for the Jaguars, and then home for the Bears, which um, I think this is the next game on the schedule that actually scares me. And um, but if the Cleveland's not humming on offense, or you know if they're not really getting things going, eh, maybe the Bears have an outside chance uh, in that one because that's another game where it's not going to take many points uh, to win. So we'll see if the offense can improve and get more traction with DTR at the uh, helm. I believe he's basically been named the starter for the rest of the, the uh, season, especially since the Browns won. And uh, we'll see how it is uh, going forward. You know, it's it's definitely an interesting situation that's going on there uh, in Cleveland. Pittsburgh, I think, is still in the playoff race, so they're just like the first team out uh, now with the with their loss. They dropped to six and four. Cleveland improves to seven and three, and more importantly, when I made my when I made the switch, I got the pick right. <laughs> New York Jets at Buffalo, and as I told you guys uh, earlier, I was kind of waffling. Uh, on this game, not because I thought the Jets would just come in and dominate or anything like that, but I was I was more concerned 
you know, for a team that looked as potent as it ever did in the first like four weeks of the season, especially when in week four, when the Dolphins visited, they ran the, the Dolphins, who just scored 70 points against the Broncos last week, barely scored 20 points, and they lost by 28 because the Bills just absolutely ran them out of the stadium, 48 to 20. And ever since then, They've only scored over 25 points like one time. The defense all of a sudden wasn't as reliable as it needed to be. Josh Allen started a string of uh, inter- of turnover games. Leads the league in turnovers with 14. Led the league with 11 uh, interceptions. And he threw another one in this one. That's, I've, you know, it, I, I guess maybe I missed it. Oh, you know what? It was it, Statistically, the streak is alive. But it was a kind of like Hail Mary at the end of the first half. So it wasn't one of those, oh, this killed another drive, or that's why this game is close because Josh Allen keeps turning over the football. So technically, that statistic is still running. He's thrown eight interceptions in the last seven weeks, but this wasn't, the context is more important here. And it's more important to, uh, re, to you know, make it known. Josh Allen didn't throw an interception. He basically arm punted at the end of the half uh, against the Jets, and that's where that one interception came from. Otherwise, he was 20 of 32, 275, three touchdowns uh, in this game, and and it wasn't a contest. You know, it wasn't. And you kind of got a sense that this was going to be a bad day from jump for the Jets when week one hero, Xavier Gibson, who uh, ran the punt back to get that walk-off uh, TD in overtime, over the uh, Bills, fumbles the ball in the opening kickoff, gets wrapped up, and the first guy that lays a hands on hand on him fumbles the football. Now the Bills only got a field goal out of it, but it kind of felt like an omen. You know, it, it really kind of felt like, oh man, here we go again, uh, kind of thing. And per the usual, that that Jets defense, man, they could. I mean, I, it really does make you wonder what this, what kind of spot this team would be in if Aaron Rodgers was, if he didn't get hurt, if he was healthy. And it's also kind of getting to the point, we talked about this in the preview, where it's getting to the point where it's not going to be worth it for Rodgers to come back. Maybe if the Jets were in the NFC and it wouldn't be take, and it wouldn't take much to you know kind of close the gap and get into the playoffs, but they're in the AFC. And they've got teams with 500 and winning records that are out of the playoffs right now. So... Losing this game puts them at four and six, and they got the the Dolphins on Friday. I don't imagine that's going to go well. And you know, like I said, this thing can really, really start to snowball, especially since I, I read earlier this week that uh, Christmas Eve would be like the target date for Aaron Rodgers. Let's take a quick look at the Jets' schedule right now. So they got the Dolphins this Friday. So let's just call that a loss and say they're four and seven. Home for the Falcons, home for the Texans. Let's say they split those. So they're five and eight before they play the Dolphins again in Miami this time. And then Christmas Eve is home for the Commanders. They could be five and nine. If they're five and nine, I don't see Aaron Rodgers coming back. I, I like I, honestly, I don't see the point. Why would you risk him coming back so quickly from an injury that take people almost a full year to come back from? And you know, Cam Akers came back from this injury in a very similar window, but uh, Cam Akers is like 15 years younger 
than Aaron Rodgers. So that made more sense. Rodgers is 39 years old. If he hasn't turned, I think he turns, either he has turned 40, he turns 40 in the offseason. One of the two. You know, to come back that fast, to play for a, a team that's, that's assured a losing record, because you're 5-9, and nine, you're going to have a losing record no matter what. If they're 5-9, and nine, they're not making the playoffs, there's no reason for Rodgers uh, to come back. But we'll have to see. Maybe, they may, maybe that, that defense will surprise us all and start scoring touchdowns uh, on their own. Like, I, I definitely think they could beat the Falcons. Not so sure about the Texans. Um, Texans, you know, C.J. Stroud would have to play like he did against the Cardinals and throw three interceptions but and, you know, keep giving the ball back to uh, the Jets. But I don't see them winning that game. I don't see them winning on the road at the Dolphins. So going into that commander game, five and nine with three games left against the Commanders, the Browns, and the Patriots, and not for nothing, the Patriots are, are, are dumpster fire right now, but they're really good uh, on defense. And you, and that's, never mind the Browns. I mean, Miles Garrett and everything. The Commanders sacked the Giants nine times yesterday. So the last three games that Rodgers would be coming in for, he'd be facing defenses that know how to get to the quarterback. This, no way. There's no way. So unless the Jets go on a winning streak and, and win these next four games, that, that game on Christmas Eve, well, you know, Aaron Rod, he won't he won't play. There's just if they're not winning, there's no reason for him to be there, or at least to risk it anyway. So, sorry about the uh, the tangent, but the rest of the first half, that Jets defense was really keeping them in it, only giving field goals. The Bills were only up nine to nothing, uh, you know, in the second uh, quarter, and then it starts to happen. Zach Wilson. Throws an interception to the newly acquired Rasul Douglas, giving the ball back to Buffalo at the Jets' 24-yard line. Six plays later, Dennis or Dennis Allen. What the hell am I talking about? Josh Allen finds James Cook for a five-yard touchdown run, makes it 16 to nothing. And I really love how the Jets responded uh, from this. They um, they're deep in their own territory. The drive stalls out, and I mean it was a really ballsy call by Sala and their uh, special teams coordinator, uh, Morstead, their punter, throws a pass. And it was like fourth and eight or something crazy like that. They get the pass. They get the first down. And that that getting that moves the chains. They convert it on another fourth down. Brees Hall scores on a nine-yard touchdown run to make it 16-6 at the half. And that's when Allen threw that uh, Hail Mary uh, interception. But in the second quarter, in the second half, in the third quarter, that's where things really kind of fell apart for the Jets because, you know, not only did the Bills start to pile on, but they were doing it in ways that could be very demoralizing because Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes, but he didn't throw a 45-yard pass to so-and-so in the end zone or anything like that. He threw two shorter passes that, that both runners just kept going and move their way down the field. Like the first one, uh, Ty Johnson, running back out of the backfield on fourth and one, catches the pass for about a three-yard gain, but keeps going. Hugs the sidelines, runs right up the side, kept on going, boom. He's in the end zone for a 28-yard touchdown. That made it 23-6, to six and or was it 22-6? to Because they missed the extra point on, on one of these plays. And then on the very next Bills drive, um, Josh Allen hits Khalil Shakur, for what should have been a 25, maybe 30-yard catch. But instead, 
Yards after catch, he starts weaving his way through the Jets' secondary. The next thing you know, it's an 81-yard touchdown, and it's now 29-6. to And on the very next drive, Zach Wilson got himself sacked for what was the fifth time in the game and was benched. And not only was he benched for the game, it was announced today on Monday, he's done. He is done. Tim Boyle, the backup quarterback for the Jets, is going to be the starter uh, going forward. He was also ineffective, going 7-14 for 33 yards and, a, and an interception uh, in the game. The Bills added a field goal in the fourth quarter to conclude the scoring and win it 32-6. to So this was also the first game under new offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Makes you wonder what the offense could look like going forward if they could do that to the Jets' defense. The Jets are no slouch on defense, which is why you can't cut them, count them out completely over these next four games while they wait for Rodgers to come back if he comes back. But, you know, it makes you wonder. You know, we, they, they thought they had the winning formula in the first four weeks with Ken Dorsey calling the plays, but that turned out to be a disaster, and he lost his job. So we'll see what happens going forward uh, with, uh, with Joe Brady uh, and the offense and, uh, you know, see what they have coming up uh, ahead of them. Yeah, this is why they needed this win. I remember talking about this. Um, they lost that game to the Bengals. Then they, they, they needed that win against the Broncos last week, and they blew it. They get this win over the Jets because they're at Philly, at Kansas City, home for the Cowboys. And then, you know, they have the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. But these next three games, are you kidding me? At the Eagles, at Kansas City, home for the Cowboys. They're going to need that offensive magic they had uh, yesterday. Uh, against the Jets. They are absolutely going to need it if they want to have a shot in any of these games. Because, I mean, the Cowboys are they're, they're good on defense, they're explosive on offense, but something about them in big game situations, you can't really trust them. But the Eagles and the Chiefs, they just all find different ways, and that's what makes them great teams. So the Bills have an interesting three weeks from, you know, right now. They are, um, you know, six and five. I would not be surprised if we're going into those last couple of games in that game against the Chargers if we're talking about the 6-8 uh, and eight Bills who are just trying to salvage the season kind of thing because I don't think th- th- there's no way the Bills are going to be favored in any of those games, not a single one. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, even though I only put one point on it, I picked the Bills and I nailed that pick. <laughs> The main event of week number 11, probably the biggest game of the year up to this point, Philadelphia and Kansas City in Arrowhead. It's a rematch of last year's Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. Uh, A lot of people think it's very possible these two teams can meet again in Las Vegas uh, this year. Currently both the top seed in their conference coming into the game. We had some rainy conditions uh, in Arrowhead may or may not have affected the outcome of the game. The Chiefs did have a problem with drops uh, throughout the game. Didn't really see that bother uh, Philadelphia uh, as much, but uh, it was far more uh, apparent with the uh, with the Chiefs. It wasn't uh, nearly as bad as the Detroit game week one where it seemed like every single drop absolutely murdered uh, the Chiefs, or you could look back to those drops as the reason why they, uh, you know, lost that game uh, to Detroit. But um, drops did uh, definitely affect the outcome uh, of the game. And, um, you know, may the, the rainy conditions may or may not 
have affected that. It's not like it was a torrential downpour uh, or anything uh, like that, but, you know, the ground is wet, uh, you know, which means the ball is going to be wet and so on uh, and so forth. So in the early going, Mahomes and the Chiefs offense were moving the ball fairly well. The defense was getting after uh, Jalen Hurts. I think I heard Joe Buck say at halftime that Hurts had been sacked five times uh, in the first two quarters. Um, you know, KC was the first to get on the board, their second drive of the game, 10 plays, 80 yards, nearly six minutes taken off the clock. Mahomes finds Justin Watson for a three-yard touchdown to go up 7 nothing. But not to disappoint, Philly comes right back down the field, nine plays, 75 yards. DeAndre Swift, four-yard touchdown, ties it up at seven. They had this weird thing going on in the first half. Um, it went touchdown, touchdown, then there was a punt in there. Then they traded interceptions. And, you know, uh, KC forced the first turnover. Uh, turnover. Ladarius Sneed picked off Hurts early in the uh, second quarter. But after making it look like the Chiefs were going to make the make Philly pay for that interception, Mahomes put a little put a little too much float on a pass intended for uh, Justin Watson, and it got picked off in the end zone uh, by Kevin Byard, who's uh, looking like a pretty good trade from the Titans a few weeks ago. And uh, turn the Chiefs away with zero points on that promising-looking uh, drive. And that wasn't the only time that happened uh, to Kansas City. It happened again later on uh, in the fourth quarter that they were deep in Philly, ter- Philly territory. Philly forced a turnover to turn uh, them away. You know, and, and it's really started to look like the Chiefs were going to make, um, uh, make a run uh, on Philly. Because, you know, KC had great field position after they forced another punt uh, after the interception because it was a no-harm, no-foul interception. Philly did nothing with it. Mahomes and company took the lead when he and Taylor Swift's boyfriend hooked up for a three-yard touchdown uh, pass to make it 14-7. Uh, to seven. Uh, And then going into the half, it looked like KC had all the momentum. They had basically shut the Eagles down after that touchdown uh, drive. They forced another three and out and then added a field goal right before the end of the half to take a 10-point lead into the uh, into the break, you know. But second-half adjustments and all that kind of stuff turned this into an Eagles game uh, in the second half because it was all Eagles. Uh, the defense and uh, the defense kept Mahomes and the Chiefs off the scoreboard uh, in, the, uh, in the second half. They went scoreless, 17 17- was where the Chiefs were at at halftime. That's where they were at the end of the game, unfortunately uh, for them. Their second half went like this. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, turnover on downs. Not a single point uh, scored. You know, Philly got back on the board in the third quarter on the third drive uh, of the half. Key play on that one was a 35-yard run from DeAndre Swift. They got the Eagles from midfield to the KC 15. A couple plays later, Jalen Hurts scrambles it in from 10 yards out to make it 17 uh, to 14. Then on the ensuing drive, that was a fumble from Travis Kelsey, uh, of all people. And it, um, you know, they they fumble it at the nine-yard line of Philadelphia, uh, and it was recovered by former Bear Nicholas uh, Moreau. The Eagles didn't get any points off of the fumble uh, on that very next drive. It's like, but... The victory in the turnover is that it killed Kansas City's most promising drive uh, of the second half. 12 plays, 65 yards, nearly six minutes taken off the second half clock, all for nothing when Kelsey 
uh, fumbles the football inside the 10-yard line to, uh, for the second time that night, a red zone drive ends with a turnover, turning the Chiefs away uh, with zero points. Um, the Eagles took the lead later on in the fourth quarter when Hertz hit a 41-yard pass to Devontae Smith that got them down to the one-yard line. One brotherly shove later, and the Eagles took the lead 21-17. to That's how the game would finish. But the Chiefs did have a shot. They did have a couple of shots, uh, actually. They had a shot late in the fourth quarter. Um, after the two-minute warning, there was about a minute 50 to go uh, in the game. Mahomes throws a laser. I mean, just a beautiful, absolute dime of a pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's wide open. He's got two steps on his man. The ball hits him in the hands in the end zone, drops it. Just it, he, he catches it. We're likely talking about KC winning this uh, football game. It's very, very likely because KC's defense was game. You know, they only gave up those. They, I mean, they gave up 21 points uh, uh, to the Eagles. But on those drives, it, was, it wasn't that the, you know, the Eagles were methodically moving the ball uh, down the field and, like, imposing their will uh, on the Chiefs. Both of the touchdown drives, there was a, there was a play that kind of broke the drive open for the, because, for the most part, KC was very stingy uh, on defense. I mean, Philadelphia only finished with, um, where is it? With only, they only finished with 238 yards of total Offense. They only had 16 first downs to KC's 23. KC had over 336 yards uh, of offense. The Eagles were three of 11 uh, on third down. Uh, you know, and like I said, the uh, Jalen Hurts was sacked five times. They did clean. They did keep him clean in the second half. Zero sacks from the offensive line in the second half. So uh, that was uh, you know good for the for the Philly offense, but. You know, it wasn't like this was an offense that, like I said, was imposing its will uh, on that Chiefs defense uh, all night long. Those two drives in the in the second half where they got the touchdowns, it there was a there was one key play that broke the drive open. You know, the thirty five yard run from Swift gets them down inside in the red zone uh, that led to the uh, first Hertz uh, touchdown run, and then the big forty one yard pass to. To Smith gets them from midfield down to the one yard line. I mean, so it was uh, it, it was those kind of moments. That's how Philly broke the game open. It was the big play that ended up hurting uh, Kansas City uh, in the uh, in the second half. And I don't know what would have become of it, but we'll never know because Justin Watson dropped a a pass from Mahomes on fourth and twenty five. Only Pat Mahomes would be uh, somebody you'd need to worry about. Uh, on fourth and 25, but uh, the ball was there. Uh, it hit Watson. Maybe it was wet and slippery and whatnot, but he, he had in his grasp. He should have caught it. He did not come down with it. Uh, that was the turnover on downs that ended the game uh, for Kansas City, and um, and that is how the uh, the ball game ended with Philly coming out on top 21-17 uh, to 17, uh, over the Chiefs, and uh, the Philly moves to 9-1. They stay atop uh, the NFC uh, playoff picture, and the um, Chiefs fall to seven and three, which actually moves them out of the top seed. They're no longer number one in the AFC because the Ravens 
also have three losses, but they haven't had a bye yet, and they are eight and three right now. So if the season ended today, it's Philly and Baltimore that uh, that get the break and the 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 most the uh, heavily coveted bye week. The Chiefs would be the two seed. Right now, they'd be hosting the Steelers, who are at seven. The Jags would host the Texans, a three and six divisional uh, matchup in the wild card round. And the Dolphins would host the Browns in the 4-5 matchup. On the NFC side, like I said, Philly, best record in the league at 9-1. and one. Uh, The Lions right behind them at 8-2 and two are number two uh, in the NFC. If the season ended today, they'd be hosting the Vikings in the wild card round uh, this weekend. Uh, the 49ers, who are on a two-game winning streak all of a sudden, uh, at 7-3 and three would be number three, hosting the 6-4 and four Seahawks, so another divisional uh, match up there, and then the AFC and excuse me NFC South leading uh, Saints, who are obligated to make the playoffs one way or another. They're a 500 football team right now at five and five. They'd be hosting the Cowboys in the wild card round. So that's how the season would fall if it ended uh, today. So interesting, um, interesting uh, turn of events for the Chiefs. As uh, you know, losing that game knocks them out of the uh, of the bye week. So now they'd have to play uh, wild card weekend to uh, you know defend their AFC crown. They'd have to win an extra ball game to make it to Vegas uh, this year. So we'll see how that develops as the final six games of the season uh, play out. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I picked the Eagles, which means I think for the first time all season. I went perfect in the pick six. I went 4-0. and I took the Eagles. I took the Bills. I took the Browns. And I took the Ravens. I nailed it, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, I think, uh, let me see if I can pull up my, my picks uh, for this week and see how that, uh, that fills me up uh, for the week. Point total not great, but uh, win loss record ten and four uh, for the week. I lost with uh, with Green Bay beating the uh, Chargers. I lost the Giants for some reason having Washington's number this year, sweeping them uh, with the Tommy DeVito's three touchdown passes. Uh, I didn't think that the Rams would be able to beat the Seahawks and came up short there. And uh, I, I certainly didn't think that Minnesota would lose to uh, Denver. So those are my four losses this week. 80 points on a 10-4 and four record uh, this week. So we'll uh, take a look on Thursday to see where that puts me for the, uh, for the season and uh, see where I'm at in the standings uh, come Thursday. So that is uh, that's all we got. There's your pick six, and uh, that's going to close out the week eleven review episode of the fourth phase. Come back on Thursday. This the uh, the holiday will not affect the uh, release schedule uh, for this week. The fourth phase um, preview episode for week twelve will drop on Thursday morning. So give you a little something to listen to uh, while the uh, while the turkey and the food is making the house uh, smell good. Maybe get the maybe get the show in before. Uh, the uh, Packers and Lions kick it off on uh, Thursday morning, uh, essentially. And, um, you know, we'll take you through the three matchups on 
Thursday, I would have to think at least one of them will make the uh, pick six because we got 16 games. Nobody's got to buy in week 12, so we're back to an actual six-game pick six uh, for week number 12. And uh, so everybody's playing this weekend. So we got three games on Thanksgiving. We got a Black Friday game, and then the uh, we got 11 games on Sunday. And then, of course, I'm going to the KISS concert on Monday night while the Bears play the Vikings on Monday night football. God damn it. So, yeah. So come back on Thursday. We'll preview all 16 matchups for week number 12. And uh, until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we'll see you next time.